see all of you tonight once the lights come on. There we go, I can see you now. Uh, I'm so glad you're here and uh, some new faces tonight, so welcome. I'm glad you're here as well. Uh, tonight we are continuing the series that we have been in uh, for the last couple of weeks called Living Lukewarm. And the first week I spoke on James uh, chapter 1 and talked about what it means to be a fair-weather Christian and why it's important as Christians to not be fair-weather Christians. And we talked about how do we, as Christians, as disciples, live a life that is fully engaged to where we're fully in the game and fully involved in the mission of God. Uh, and as I, I said, throughout this series, there's going to be numerous guest speakers that we have. Uh, last week, Bella started it off. Uh, she did a great job. Again, Bella, home run for your first time ever giving a message. It was excellent. Uh, so she walked through. Yeah, you can give her a round of applause. She still deserves it. And she walked through James chapter 2. And, and as she walked through that, she talked about what it means to be a genuine Christian. So she took what we talked about the first week in being effective Christians, and she opened up James 2, and what it means to be a genuine Christian. And, and she talked about how we can be disciples who avoid having fake faith. How we can be disciples who avoid having fake faith. Uh, and so this week, uh, you're stuck with me, unfortunately. I, I told a couple of you on. It seemed like you wished uh, you had some more guest speakers. But don't worry. We have guest speakers coming the next two times. We have youth for James 4 and James 5. I know they are going to bless you with their messages, Ella and Mia. Uh, Mia will speak on James 4, not next week, the week after, and then Ella will follow up after Thanksgiving with James 5. And so tonight we are going into James chapter 3. And we're going to unpack this chapter, and we're going to talk about something, catch this, that we all struggle with. This is something that you... If we're just being genuine and honest with ourselves, you cannot sit in your chair tonight and say that you do not struggle with this. Just being honest, right? I, I cannot stand here and say that I don't struggle with this in ways as well. And so I think this is something that applies to all of us. And as we look at James chapter 3, we're going to see that tonight we are going to talk about controlling the uncontrollable. Controlling the uncontrollable, also called taming the tongue. Taming the tongue. And I see the, the tongue is actually something that's really interesting. Okay, A little science lesson for you real quick. Besides having 2,000 to 4,000 taste buds that you can't see that are responsible, unless you're Miss Lisa, uh, for being able to taste the food that you eat, uh, besides that, your tongue is actually really unique in the fact that it is the only muscle in your entire body that is not connected in two spots. It is the only muscle in your entire body that is not connected in two spots. It is connected, uh, you can correct me if I'm wrong, to your hyoid bone, which is also unique. It's the only bone not connected to another bone. Uh, but, but, you know, it doesn't take much to recognize at the end of your tongue is not connected to anything else, right? It's connected in the back to the hyoid bone and nothing else. Every other muscle in your body has two points of contact, right? Your fingers have two points of contact. 
the bone. It's con- the muscles in your fingers and your arms and your legs are all connected in two spots. And that is what gives you control over those muscles. Your tongue, you have less control over because it's only connected in one spot. I, mean, I think about like when I go to the dentist, I hate going to the dentist for this one simple fact. Because I always feel very awkward laying there. Uh, as the, the hygienist has those metal things in my mouth and looking at things, I always feel like wherever that little mirror is, my tongue follows it. I don't know if you're the same way. I, I just feel like it's like a magnet, right? And it just like wherever it goes, I feel like my tongue just goes wherever it goes to. And it's like no matter how hard I try to control it, somehow I just don't have full control of my tongue. So tonight we're going to talk about not the scientific way that we control our tongue, but we're going to talk about how do we control our tongue? How do we tame the tongue? Because as James will tell us in, in, in James chapter 3, this is a big problem. And not having control over your tongue has some pretty big consequences. And it would be really easy for us to, to sit here and think that taming the tongue just applies to cussing. Okay, I'm just going to be honest with you. We're not going to talk about cussing tonight. By and large, we're not going to talk about cussing. Cussing's wrong. I'll leave it at that. We'll talk about it some. But we're going to talk about a lot of other things that are involved with taming your tongue, having self-control over what you say. So I want us, as we start out, I want us to read James chapter 3. As we've been going through this series, we've read every word of every chapter, and tonight's going to be no different. We're going to hit James, all of James chapter 3. It's going to be on the screen for you. You also have uh, that not-so-fancy sheet of paper that has blanks on it for you to fill in. All the notes will be on the screen. Uh, So I would encourage you, read along with us. Uh, I would encourage you to take notes. That way you don't forget what we talk about, because I think it's important. If it wasn't important, we wouldn't talk about it. Here we go, James chapter 3. Here's what James says. Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church. For we who teach will be judged more strictly. Indeed, we all make many mistakes. For if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. We can make a large horse go wherever we want it by means of a small bit in its mouth. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches. But a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness. Corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire. For it is set on fire by hell itself. People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish. But no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil. Full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father. And sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, that is not right. Does a spring of water bubble out with both fresh water and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? No, and you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. If you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life. 
doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you are bitterly jealous and there is a selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying. For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. But the wisdom from above is first of all pure. It is also peace-loving, gentle at all times, and willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism, and it is always sincere. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. So James talks about some pretty significant things about the power that your tongue has. Right? He, he equates it as being a small spark that could light an entire forest on fire. If you think back not too many months ago, uh, over in South Walton, they had these huge fires. I don't know if you remember these. And, and it was started, and really, if you think about like any of the fires out in California, one of the most recent ones was started by a gender reveal for a, a baby. And, and it, they start with these small sparks, but then what happens is millions and millions of acres get burned up. Right? But it, it doesn't start with this grand thing. It starts out small. And so what James is saying is your tongue is like that. Just as that small spark has the power to set an entire forest on fire, your tongue has the power to light your entire life on fire. Your tongue has the power to light not only your life on fire, but the lives of others on fire. And so we're, we're going to look at uh, two different things starting out here of what does our tongue have the power to do? And we see these in James chapter 3. So starting out, uh, I would argue that our tongue has the power to build. Our tongue has the power to build. And, and I think we see this in James chapter 3 verse 2 and also in verses 6 through 9. Here's what it says in verse 2. It says, indeed, we all make many mistakes. For if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. Skipping down to verse 6. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness, corrupting the entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. I also want to read Proverbs 12, verse 18. Here's what it says. Watch, or some people make cutting remarks, but the words of the wise bring healing. Some people make cutting remarks, but the words of the wise bring healing. So out of these passages, we're going to see two ways that our tongue has power. And the first thing that we see is the tongue has the power to build. You know, when we think about words that have the power to build, I think of words especially like, I believe in you. I believe in you. Or I love you. Or I'm here for you. Or I value you. Or good job. Man, these words that we can speak to people can build people up. And what we see is that words are significant. Words are significant. Right? The words that we say 
can go a very long way in uplifting someone. Right? When, when, even think about your own experiences. When you're feeling down and someone comes around you and says, hey, I love you. I love you. When you feel like no one cares about you and someone comes up to you, and it doesn't matter who they are, and they look at you and say, hey, I love you. I care about you. I'm here for you. Or, or when you feel like you're doing everything wrong and someone comes up to you and goes, no, you're doing a great job. You're doing a good job. Man, those words have the power to uplift someone out of the situations that they're in. You literally have the power to build in someone's life, to build their esteem, to build their confidence. Man, the words that you have are significant. Man, it, it, it's no lie that everyone needs affirmation in their life. Man, that is just a fact. Everyone needs affirmation in their life. And when we choose to affirm others, we build others up. We build them up and we give them life. We give them life. Man, I can think back uh, when I was in high school. I worked with an organization uh, called Royal Family Kids Camp. Uh, if you want a, a visual kind of uh, explanation of what Royal Family Kids Camp is, there's a movie out called Camp. Uh, it'll make you cry. It, make, it makes me cry. But, man, what a touching movie. What a touching. Hey, Brayden, don't trip over that cord again. What a touching organization. But Royal Family Kids Camp is an organization that's all across the nation and even across the world. And different churches sponsor a week in their hometown. And so our church growing up was at a fairly large church. And so we had a week of Royal Family Kids Camp. And what we would do is we would take 32 foster kids. 32 foster kids. And for a week, we would give them the best week of their life. I mean, you're talking about kids who are in the roughest of situations. Man, I, I worked with this organization for three years, and there was not a year. I, I used to say that that week was the week that I would cry the most. Especially the day that we would say goodbye to our campers. That was the day that I would single-handedly cry the most because it was just so touching. It was so heartbreaking. Man, I can remember, uh, and this may move you. I remember, so every day we had nap time. I loved it. As a counselor, man, there was one year I had, a, had a, a camper. He could run, okay? He could run. And he would just take off. And, and so that year I was a counselor in training. And, and so as a counselor in training, you work with two counselors. And the counselors can't run. They can't leave their other kid. Each counselor had two kids. So they can't leave their kids. So the counselor in training is responsible for the running. Man, I've never run so much in my life. And I'm convinced that is why I hate running. And we're at the College of uh, North Alabama, and their campus is just like this, up and down, up and down. But that year, I can remember one of the, the eight years old. Uh, and we're in there for nap time, and I'm just laying there. As a leader, you have to keep your bed down on the floor just to, you know, extra precautions. And one of the kids was talking to the other kid, and they were asking each other why they were in the foster care system. They are asking each other why each other were in the foster care system, and the one said, man, 
you know, uh, just rough upbringing. But man, my foster life is rough. My foster life is rough. And, and he went on to say that the reason he was in the foster care system was because uh, as he was being raised, whenever he'd get in trouble, he'd get locked in his room for days. The heat disconnected to his room, the air disconnected to his room, sometimes locked up to the radiator in his room so that he couldn't, literally couldn't go about his room. There was one year a kid just was, man, had bruises all up and down, said it was a bike wreck, and we knew it wasn't a bike wreck. And so these kids, man, they did not know what love was. And, and I tell you this to say that during that week when we would look at a kid, every single kid, and look at them and say, I love you. Man, it was like a light went off inside of them. It was like they had a life. Man, you could tell these kids went, we took them fishing, went to the lake. We gave them a birthday party, these huge inflatables. It was by far better than probably any birthday party I ever had. But the simple fact that we say, hey, I care about you. I value you. You're valuable. I love you. You could see the life literally building up inside of them. And one of the things I realized throughout this week is that, hey, the words that I speak are significant. Man, my words are valued. I learned that words are valued. Man, these kids just needed some affirmation. And I know those are some, some hard examples, but so much, uh, that's for any person. When you're going through the hardest parts of your life, when you don't feel like anyone's around you, man, the simple words of, man, I love you, I'm here for you. Or when one of your friends is going through something, man, just the simple words of, hey, I'm here for you. I care about you. Those words are valuable. And those words are significant. And those words have the power to build. When we talk about words being valued, if you look at what the different love languages are, there's a love language literally called words of affirmation. Words of affirmation. Words are so valued that there's literally a whole love language built around it. People value words incredibly much. Incredibly much. And so it's no secret. Affirmation is valued by others. Man, I can think about, it, it, I love it. it. It fits right in with the example. So many of y'all are wearing the, the dive retreat hoodies tonight. Uh, so probably one of the most meaningful parts of dive retreat last year was, if you remember Tyler who came and spoke, love Tyler, uh, a great mentor of mine was my 10th grade small group leader. Uh, man, after the retreat, he goes, you did such a great job. And by far, that was probably the most impactful moment for me on that whole retreat, just personally, was to hear the words, good job, after I'd put in a lot of effort into something. And those words of affirmation for me just meant so much, and I still value those words. So that's what I want you to know first and foremost, is your, your tongue has the power to build. Your tongue has the power to build. It has the power to build life in people's life. But just as um, your tongue has the power to build, your tongue also has the power 
to destroy. Your tongue has the power to destroy. Let me tell you something. How you say things matters. How you say things matters. There's a difference in saying something genuinely and saying something sarcastically. There's a big difference. And the meaning of what you're saying is conveyed in how you say it. And if I come up to Charlie and say, dude, man, you just look, you look so great today. You look so great. And it's genuine or I come, dude, man, don't you look great, huh? There's a difference in tone. There's a difference in the way you say it. There's a difference in how you say it. When we look at Jesus... I think Jesus is a great example here. He's a great example for everything. Jesus didn't just speak words of affirmation to people. He, he did speak words of affirmation to people, but we need to look at how he spoke those words to them. Jesus spoke words of affirmation to all sorts of people. He spoke words of affirmation to the woman who committed adultery. He, he spoke words of affirmation to Zacchaeus, who was a a lying, cheating tax collector who was stealing money from people. Uh, he spoke words of affirmation to the sick and the disabled. And he spoke words of affirmation to every single one of his disciples. And frankly, he just spoke words of affirmation to every single person he came in contact with. But if we look at how Jesus spoke those words, we see that Jesus genuinely cared. Jesus genuinely cared about the person he was speaking to. He didn't just say, hey, I love you. It was, I love you. I mean, you could, they could tell in the way that Jesus spoke, and not even the, the, how he spoke, but the words he chose. He didn't just choose like a wishy-washy type of love. The, the type of love that he would speak to people was this agape love. This love that was endearing, deep love. Not this, you know, like middle schoolers use love all the time. I love you in my relationships and stuff. And that's just not how it is with Jesus. Jesus genuinely loves you. He genuinely cares about you. So how we say things matters. And just as your words can give someone life, they can also destroy their life. I want to talk about something a little serious here. Because I don't think we always understand the impact that our words have. I don't think we think before we speak. I know I don't. And our words have significant impact. I want to tell you this. One of the leading causes of teen suicide is bullying. Social social isolation. One of the leading causes of teen suicide. And teen suicide is one of the leading causes of death amongst teenagers. One of the leading causes of that is social isolation caused by bullying. Do you know the form that most of that bullying takes? Words. Words. You see, the days of a big old bully coming down the hallway and shoving someone in a locker, those days don't really exist as much anymore. The days of bullying look like calling someone fat, calling someone weird, 
calling someone stupid. They look like getting on Instagram and lying about people, calling people names, taking Snapchats of people and making fun of them and posting them to your story. See, bullying by and large comes through words today. And I want to be very, very clear on something. It is not acceptable. In no way, shape, or form is that acceptable, especially from people who claim to be Christians. Especially from people who claim to be Christians. It is completely unacceptable to call people names, to shame them, to make fun of them, to talk behind their back, or even to say it to their face. It's just unacceptable. And and I, I just take it a step further and say it's a shame that it happens in this group. It is a shame that that happens in this group. Shaming people, bullying people, calling people weird to the behind their backs, to their face, it's just not acceptable. It's not acceptable in any way, shape, or form. I don't care if you think it's cool. I don't care if you think it's funny. It's just plain outright not acceptable. It's rude. It's rude. In James chapter 1, we looked at this a couple weeks ago, James says that your religion is worthless. If you cannot control your tongue. Your religion is worthless if you cannot control your tongue. And so I want to make another bold statement and say that if you're bullying someone. If you're bullying someone. This is a personal. You just got to be honest with yourself on this one. If you're bullying someone. If you're making fun of someone instead of building them up and encouraging them and uplifting them. I think you really need to consider whether or not you're following Christ. I really think you need to consider whether or not you're following Christ. If you tear people down and make fun of them instead of building them up and affirming them, then I really think you need to consider whether or not you have faith in Jesus Christ. I really do. That's a bold statement, but I really think that's true. Because having faith in Christ transforms. We talked about this last week. Bella talked about it. When you have faith in Christ, it transforms you. And nothing about having faith in Christ screams, I'm going to tear you down. Jesus did not tear people down. Jesus went to the lost. Jesus went to the disregarded, the people who were social outcasts of society. He went to them and said, I love you. I want to be your friend. I want to be your friend. I want to be there for you. I want to care about you. I do care about you. And so if that is not the stance that you are taking, if you are not going to the person that society calls quote-unquote weird, if you're not going to that person and saying, hey, I want to be your friend, and you're participating in the shaming and the name-calling, then I think we have some things that we need to consider. I think we just need to be honest with ourselves. I think we need to realize that just as Words can destroy someone else's life. They can also destroy our lives. Let me tell you something. What you say matters. What you say matters. Especially in your generation, in the social media generation, what you post matters. 
Okay, what you post matters. It doesn't just go away. Even your Snapchats don't just go away, okay? They're there. They're there. Snapchat hangs on to them. <laughs> okay? Understand what you post matters. The first thing uh, an employer does, this is just a, a, a free piece of wisdom and advice for you as you get older. The first thing an employer does when you apply for a job is they go look up your Facebook, your Instagram, your Twitter, any sort of social media that you have. Pretty soon it'll turn into TikToks and everything else. Because they want to know what are, what are you portraying to the world that you're not portraying to me. Because employers know that, hey, if I'm going to go get a job, I'm going to portray myself in a favorable light to try to get that job. So let me go see what they're doing when they're not trying to convince me of why they need a job. But also understand that what you say has some consequences sometimes. James says in chapter 3 that if you can't control your tongue, an uncontrollable tongue corrupts the entire body. What you say matters. It can, what you say can get you in trouble with your parents, with your teachers, with your friends. It can have impacts, and it can have impacts that you weren't expecting. And I, I know a lot of this kind of takes a serious undertone, but I, I just, I, I care about you. And I want you to realize the significance and power that words have. Because words are not something that are, are told to kids that, hey, your words, they're super important, significant. A lot of times we go through life and don't even think about the words that we're saying. I hear students say all the time, like, I didn't even know I said that. I catch myself saying that, like, did I really say that? I don't remember saying that. Right? It's because it's become muscle memory almost that we just talk. If you're someone like me who talks all the time... You just talk and you don't even realize what's coming out sometimes. And I'll be the first one to say, me not thinking before I speak has gotten me in more trouble than I care to admit. Way more trouble than I care to admit. And so I, I think we need to ask ourselves if controlling the tongue is such a big thing where James says literally no one, can have full, no one has ever figured out how to have full self-control over their tongue. We're not perfect. We're not going to be perfect at it. But how do we try to control the uncontrollable? How do we try to tame the tongue? I want to give you three ways that we can tame our tongues. The way that we can have self-control over what we say. The first thing is this. And it comes in Proverbs chapter 21, 23. Hey, Will, will you put up the scripture first and then I'll come back to the point. Here's what Proverbs 21, 23 says. Watch your tongue and keep your mouth shut. And you will stay out of trouble. Man, I wish I had read this proverb growing up. Because the first thing to controlling your tongue, to taming your tongue, is shut your mouth. Shut your mouth. Okay. Uh, <laughs> if you don't have anything good to say, then just be, just be quiet. Just be quiet. And what we're going to see is it starts here. Taming the tongue starts here. I, I, like I said just a second ago, I hear people all the time saying, I just can't help it. Especially when it, you know, here's the spot. I, I, I'll talk about cussing a little bit. Right, here's where I hear people say, I just can't help it. I just can't help it. The words just come out. I just can't control it. Let me argue something. You could help it. 
You can help it, but you won't choose to stop it. You could help it, but you won't choose to stop it. And there was a point where you made either an unconscious or a conscious decision that you were going to start cussing, and a point where you made a decision that it wasn't a big deal in your life. And over time, it became habitual. It just became something that you were used to. The words just became something that you were used to saying. Right? When you stub your toe, what's the first word that comes to mind? Why is that the first word that comes to your mind? If it's a cuss word, it's because you're used to saying that word. And you have control over that, but you just don't choose to stop it. You don't just, you, you don't choose to stop it. Let me tell you something, free piece of advice right here. If you want to stay out of trouble in school and with your parents, understand this, your mouth will get you in so much trouble. I grew up hearing these words from my mom, uh, probably a direct quote. If you would just shut up, you wouldn't get in so much trouble. My mom, I felt like she told me that every week. Nathan, if you would just learn to shut up, you would stop getting in trouble. She's probably watching right now, probably agreeing. Man, like I would do something and probably deserve to be punished. But then I just compounded it because I couldn't control my tongue. Because then it was, oh, yeah? Really? Who made you the parent? <laughs> you know, like, who put you in charge? I'll show you. And I started back-talking. Man, I can still remember one time I was back-talking my mom and just, and I was like, where did that come from? Just got the backhand. And I was like, what was that for? And she goes, you wouldn't quit talking. You wouldn't be quiet. And if you would just stop talking, you wouldn't get in so much trouble. Let me just say this. I hear students all the time saying, man, I got in trouble at school again today with my teachers, got sent to the office. And it boils down to a lot of times of something you said. And you may have been right in what you were saying, but it was how you went about it. It was how you said it, not necessarily what you said. Let me give you another free piece of advice. If you think a teacher's wrong, don't raise your hand in the middle of class and tell her she's wrong. Don't do it. Because you will get a one-way pass straight to Mr. Spolsky's or Mr. Meyer's office or the Niceville principal. I don't know his name. You will get a one-way ticket straight to the office. But also understand in the way that you approach what you're saying to a teacher... See, it goes back to not just what you say, but how you say it. Like, think about it. It, it. If I thought you said something, look, let me just say this. You know, we're just coming out of election day, right, and blah, 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 all this stuff. If there's one thing that we could all understand and learn together is that when we have differences, how you approach things and how you say things matters. How you say things matters if you disagree with someone. How you approach that and how you speak to them matters. And what you say, the words that you choose matter. They matter so much. But ultimately it starts with, if you don't have anything good to say, just don't say anything at all. Just be quiet. 
You know, I, I think an, another piece of wisdom with this is if you can't control it, then shut it. If you can't control it, then shut it. The second thing uh, to taming the tongue is this. Filter what you say. Filter what you say. Uh, we see this in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. Will's going to put that up on the screen. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. Here's what it says. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. And you see, this even goes back to your, your tongue has the power to build people up. In Ephesians, Paul says that let the words that you speak be encouragement to others. Let it be encouragement. Let it build them up. Put a filter on it, right? Think before you speak. Think before you speak. And before you speak, ask yourself this question. Is what I'm about to say going to uplift and encourage someone or is it going to tear them down? Is what I'm about to say going to uplift someone and encourage that person or is it going to tear them down and how you answer that will determine whether or not you should say it if it's going to encourage them then sure you can say it if it's not then you should probably revert back to number one see if it won't build them up then shut it down if it won't build them up then shut it down Shut it down. You don't need to say it. A lot of people have a lot of opinions, but very few of those opinions really need to be said. And that is something that I need to learn too. Hear me when I say this. I am not perfect at this. I am by no means perfect. Think before you speak. The third thing, the final thing is this. Make a choice. Make a choice. We see this in James chapter 3, 7 through nine, here's what it says. People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Listen to this, verse nine. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who've been made in the image of God. Here you have a very clear choice. You have a very clear choice here. Are you going to praise God with your words or are you going to curse others with your words? Are you going to praise God or curse others? You have a choice there. You have a very clear choice. Let me give you some choices that you need to make when it comes to taming your tongue. First thing is this. You need to make a choice to follow Jesus. You need to make a choice to follow Jesus. You need to make a choice to praise God instead of cursing others. You need to make a choice to build people up instead of tearing them down. You need to make a choice simply to just tame your tongue. You need to have, make a choice to practice self-control over what you say. But ultimately, here's what it boils down to. Here's what it boils down to. All of it. It boils down to you need to make a choice to care. You need to make a choice to care. Because if you don't care, if you don't care about what you say, if you don't care about the consequences that your words have on other people's lives, then none of this will mean anything to you. And you will go through your life tearing people down and tearing them apart. 
And not only that, you're going to have effects on yourself that you have no idea you're having. It boils down to you have to care. And the question ultimately is, do you care about others or do you only care about yourself? Do you care about others or do you only care about yourself? Just kind of to wrap things up, to understand that none of us are perfect in controlling our tongues. None of us are. None of us are perfect. We all mess up. We all say things that we shouldn't say. But the question, again, is do you care? Do you care? As James says, that faith without works is dead. If you do care, then that's awesome. But if you don't care, again, I think we need to honestly consider and re-examine our faith. And ask ourselves, am I truly a disciple of Christ? Are my actions backing up what Jesus would have me do? Am I living how Christ would want me to live? Am I living as Christ lived? Am I loving as Christ loved? Am I speaking as Christ spoke? And if we're not, I think we need to honestly ask ourselves, am I following Jesus? Am I following him? That is such an important question for us to ask ourselves. Because that question has eternal consequences. That question has eternal consequences. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this evening. I thank you for these students that are here. I thank you for the love that you have for them. I thank you that you value them. I thank you that you care about them. Lord, I thank you that you speak words of affirmation to us that you genuinely care about us. Lord, for all of us, this is something that we struggle with and that we, we struggle with throughout our lives. Lord, we, just, we, we get in a habit of just not thinking about what we, we're saying. We get in this habit of not realizing the effects that our words have on others but also on ourselves. And so, Lord, help us to understand the power that our tongue has, the power that our words have. Help us to make the choice to build others up instead of tearing them down. Help us to make that choice. Help us to make the choice to follow you, to live like you, to speak like you. Lord, help us just to care about others more than we care about ourselves. To think about others, to think about the ways that our words could impact others. Lord, when we mess up, forgive us and challenge us, convict us. Challenge us to be better, to live better, to speak better. Lord, I thank you that you are a God of second chances, that you are a God who, even when we mess up, say, you know what, I still love you and I forgive you. Lord, I thank you for that. Lord, I thank you that even when we turn our backs to you, Lord, you never turn your backs to us. You never do. Lord, this week uh, has been another hard week for so many of our students. We, we just went through two hard weeks with the passing of Colton. And then we enter another week with 
passing of Isadora. Lord, someone, so many of our students knew and so many of our students were friends with. And Lord, we cannot imagine the hurt that her family is feeling right now. Lord, we realize <laughs> there was a, another family involved in, in, in the accident too, Kiara. And we pray for her family too. Several of them are still in the hospital. Lord, we pray that you would work healing in their lives. That you would work healing in Isadora's life and her family. But that you would surround them with your comfort, your love, and your peace. Lord, we don't know all the answers. And we've got a lot of questions. But Lord, you are not, our, our questions are not too big for you. Lord, where we don't have answers, you do. Help us to trust you. Help us to have faith. Help us to love others. Help us to build others up and speak life into them. Lord, again, I thank you for these students. I thank you for what you're doing in so many of their lives. But I also recognize that there are some students here who don't know your love. And so, Lord, I pray that you would make your love so clear to them, so apparent to them, or that you would just work in an undeniable way in their life, that there would be no way to deny your presence. Lord, send your spirit to, to flood their hearts and convict them of their sin, Lord, that they would turn to you and realize their need of a Savior. Lord, I, I, I thank you that you are a God of love who never gives up on us. You never stop running after us. You always pursue us. Thank you for that. Thank you for the love that you have for these students. As we go through this next song of worship and into small groups, Lord, I pray that you would just speak to us. Show us where we need to follow you better. Ask all these things. Hey everyone, this is Nathan Sell, the youth pastor at Destin United Methodist Church. I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. My prayer is that the Lord would use this podcast as an opportunity to speak life into you. I hope all of you know the love that the Lord has for you and that you are experiencing His blessings each and every day. God bless you 